1: Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. This This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. And we are back
2: with yet another edition of The Finishing Move, and the gang is all back together. Big John Ratcliffe, Adam Gillespie, yours truly, Nick Cellini. This is a very, very significant show. Well, not the show itself, but we're going to talk about two very significant dates that changed the history of wrestling as we know it. One for the good, some would say one for the bad. Before we get to that, though, um, AEW taking the show on the road last night. I don't know about you guys, when the lights went out the first time, I I didn't think it was intentional, and it, it turned out it wasn't intentional. It set up something a little bit later on, did it not?
3: Oh, completely did. And when the lights went out, the first thing you thought about was great. They're getting their revenge for the pyrotechnic incident that was supposed to be in the uh, barbed wire death match, and little did we know that we would start to see the change of AEW as they started to add to their roster. And somebody comes out. Who was
2: that, Adam, that came out and kicked Arne Anderson Well, WWE in the face?
1: fans know him as Aleister Black. That's okay. who he was over there. Now, it seems like they're not sure what his name Maybe. is going to be yet, which is odd. Uh, in Nobody ABW. was on the same page when yeah. they were saying Tommy who he was. Tommy End is his uh, name that he's used before. And, but Malachi Black was the other name that they threw out there. So
3: the strange part is he was doing promos on social media as Malachi Black. But then they were saying Tommy end. so I don't know exactly where they're going with this one. Look, here's the beauty of it is, the bars where WWE is with Alexa Bliss. So if they just exceed that, then technically they're winning, right? So
2: Alexa Bliss, we'll get to that later on. So it, it took me, I'm, I'm kind of like on a rain delay as of late. It took me a while to figure this out. So she went from being a heel that turned on Bray Wyatt to now she's a face, right? So she's supposed to be uh, in the face category. Or is she kind of independent?
3: I, I don't know what's happening. There. I think we've now created uh you know, we always thought in wrestling that there were heels and faces. Yeah. I think now there's that ambiguous gray area there now where mm-hmm. she exists uh randy orton would live there sometimes stone cold from time to time stone
1: cold kind of pioneered that area exactly in my opinion and i but i agree with you i think you hit the nail on the head i don't think we know what she's supposed to be right now, now. her character and what she kind of does kind of lends itself to being heelish and she was aligned with bray uh, but bray did start to get over and maybe she's starting to get over too as well and uh, so we'll see where it goes uh, but I, I just think you need to make those people heels and it serves them better for their character growth and for their character on TV to make it clear cut that this is a bad guy.
2: Uh, you know, I'm an old school guy. Dutch Mantel said it. and he He's been a guy that's been involved in wrestling forever in front of the camera, behind the camera, as a performer, as a booker. It goes to what you just said, Adam. To me, it's got to be good. Versus bad, everything is built around that. When you get into those gray areas and you start confusing people, you're not watching wrestling to think. Let's let's be honest. You're watching wrestling to escape.
3: So keep it simple. I I think everyone's trying to overcomplicate because everybody wants to find the new thing. I mean, we're going to talk about you know later here shortly the new thing that came about in wrestling that everyone has tried to recreate in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But this was the original event that transpired with it, and I think that's what everyone's trying to do now is. Where's that gray line where maybe I can come up with that new thing? But, you know, look, the nature boy, Ric Flair, he kind of took that image from someone else. And he probably Rogers and made it a little bit more. It's okay to do that if you can take it, add your own little nuance to it and take it a little bit further. And if Alexa Bliss can take what we saw the Fiend do, who ultimately watched The Undertaker, all do those things and kind of pioneer it a little bit more
2: it's okay everybody steals from everybody in every aspect of entertainment especially wrestling there's a wrestler and i went back and and watched some of his stuff that got killed in a plane crash austin idol and gary hart were in a plane crash bobby shane was his name jerry lawler literally stole his gimmick and jerry lawler will tell you everything i did with that king and, and the outfit the one strap bobby shane was doing that so to a certain extent you know,
3: you skip generations, everybody steals from everybody, uh, especially in wrestling. The Rock came up with the most absurd move he could, the people's elbow. Well, John Cena came up with the five-knuckle shuffle. MVP tried. Everybody tried to recreate something to make it work. It took, for some it got over. For some it didn't. It's okay if it happens. But we've gone on a bit of a tangent. We digress.
2: Yeah, let's go back to AEW. A couple of things that kind of stood out: the Jim Ross interview with Ethan Page and Darby Allen. Jim Ross trying to be that grandfatherly person offering advice. I'm a little bit sad. You're just dis- you're destroying each other's careers. Why? Why is that? And so I guess. I guess they have a history together. Obviously, they, behind the scenes, they, they have to have a relationship together, and, that, and that's what the storyline's based on.
1: Yeah, it goes all the way back to the independence for both of these guys. A long story back. I think they're trying to recapture some of the moments that we had in the 90s with JR doing these sit-down interviews, like behind-the-scenes <laughs> No one's going to
2: give him a mandible claw. Yeah, no right. mandible claws from Jimmy,
1: yeah, you are right. But it's do But it's uh, they've done this a few times with Jim Ross, and it seems like they're trying to recapture that magic. I don't think they've got it yet. Um, but you know, and plus these two guys are supposed to be fighting next week, and I know there's the clause of you can't touch me. But these two guys hate each other, and they're just Jim Ross width apart. Uh, it doesn't. I don't think that 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 sells very well. You know the f-
3: the funny part about it all, though, and, and we talked about it a lot here on this podcast, is when AEW first started, you kind of expected the clunky because it was brand new, it was the new thing. But now, with the world, I guess I'll have to say reopening is the best way I'll describe it. Now we're getting, I think we'll get the clunky from all the businesses because now it's okay. Now we get to try this stuff out because now I think they'll get everyone back because. People you know, were traveling and going all over the place, living in different parts of the country just to get to come, and, come to work for one day. And now I think we're going to get the scenario of, all right, let's try everything out. The gloves are off because now they'll start mixing in the house shows. They'll start mixing in these little moments of where before Jim Ross could only be over there, the wrestlers can be here, this can be there. Everybody's together now. I think this is where we'll get the clunky for a few weeks. And I think that's what we saw here was a little bit of a... All right, well, let's give it a try and see where it goes. I don't know
2: about you, Adam. The best part of the night on AEW was when Jericho was going into the ring and someone tried to get in the ring and, and Jericho beat him. And then he tells MJF as they're sitting there, I should have let that fat bastard come in here and beat your ass.
1: Yes, that was definitely a high point. Rachel was with me at that point, and she was like, why are they just showing pictures of the crowd? And just, well, somebody was trying to jump in the ring, and they don't want to promote that. But, yeah, and then even MJF cut a little promo on the crowd after that. I I wish we could have seen it. I think it would have been funny to watch. Uh, But, yeah, you know, those stories you hear like Jim Rod's podcast or Arn is really good about telling this um, but if you went into the ring as a fan back in the day, I mean, back in the day, if they didn't beat you up, you got, the wrestler got fired mm-hmm. because they did not want that gimmick or the, you know, the curtain to be pulled back. Uh, now I guess security gets them before they can really get to him and Jericho tried to get a couple shots in there. Uh, but yeah, that promo that they cut on that guy was probably one of the high points for sure.
2: John, explain to me what the stipulation is now as Jericho's going to face MJF. Yes, John, I, please explain I, to both of
1: us. I, I rewound
2: it. I, I don't know what they were talking about. I have no idea. You have to, like, you have to, to beat him five times. I got to arrest you three straight times. What, what the hell was he talking about? Yes. <laughs> Followed by the worst blown spot ever when he knocks out MJF. He didn't even touch him. My son was watching it with me, he said, Rewind that.
3: He didn't even touch him. I said, That's called the blown spot, son. Look, that's his finishing move though. That that is his maneuver the, uh, the Judas effect. <laughs> Where there are just some things, once again, we're gonna have clunky here for a little bit, Nick. We're gonna have those moments in times of because it was that moment the of Judas effect explaining it to my son at nine years old of where he loves to go on his trampoline and try those things. It's like, yeah, that one, let's not try that. Let's just not even go with that one, son. There's other effective moves out there in your wrestling arsenal. That one you can leave off. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. And I get what they're trying to get back to where Chris Jericho made mention on his podcast. He wants to to stick with some of the original things of wrestling where feuds go on longer, where things like this. But this MJF Chris Jericho one, kind of run its course a little bit for me of all right, we you kind of could have stopped this a while ago. He already put him
2: over. He already yeah, put MJF over twice. Yeah. What
3: else do you need to do for him? And MJF is as over he's, as he's going to be right now. At this point in time, you don't even put him for a mid card title. You put him for a heavyweight
2: title. And I'll tell you why he's a good heel. This is this is how you feel. You want to get a, a visceral reaction when you watch a heel. When Shawn Michaels was a heel, I used to look at him and go, I, I think I can take him. Now I, I don't think I could take him now. But the younger me, I think I could have taken MJF. No, I
3: think you could take him now.
2: And, 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 and Shawn Michaels too. I'm going these guys are heels, huh? I, mean, I think I could, I, think I could handle them. But that's you're supposed to get that kind of reaction, the reaction that he's given you. So he's doing his job. So AEW, I, I guess those are some of the highlights from the night. Am I leaving anything out? Did I miss anything worth mentioning? I mean, at, at this all?
3: point in time, you know, you you still have the things. I, I'm still trying to figure out. I love that they are giving the tag teams their credence right now. The Young Bucks tag team champions. You're having the makeshift tag team matches where we're seeing. Uh, uh, Pentagon and um, why am I drawing a blank on the other guy's name from New York? Uh, uh,
2: Kingston. Kingston. Eddie yeah. Kingston. Who got Eddie the mouthful Kingston. of attacks at the yeah. end? See, to me, at that point, you're trying. You're too going hard. too far. There, there's there's way too much stuff going on at that point. It's it's confusing the person sitting at home. One guy's getting hit with the, the trash can. The other guy's got the thumbtacks thrown in his
3: face. I mean, it's all happening simultaneously. It's too much. And it was a good match that they ruined it with that spot. I mean, for what you got from the tables there, you got the outside interference. All in all, a good match. That was the that was the one of the highlights for me.
2: All right, so we move from uh, AEW to Raw, and I guess we're uh, you know less than two weeks away from the Money in the Bank and Kofi Kingston beats uh, MVP and the tag team. I still think somebody. When it comes to the new day, I don't think you agree, you guys, but I think somebody's turning heel on somebody. No, I did too.
3: Somebody's going to turn on someone. I I expected it to actually happen this week. I thought it was the week that uh, we would see Xavier Woods. He was going to come back, turn, and they were going to kind of try and reform a new edition of the Hurt Business where it'd be MVP, Xavier Woods, and— Because uh, now MVP starting to wrestle again yeah, for a reason. with a limp, which I, I'm very confused by that. But I thought we'd see a reformation, or even at the bare minimum, I thought we would even see maybe some sort of new formation of the New Day where uh, Keith Lee would come out and add a little interference to it. But nothing has changed yet. But you got to believe there's a story coming up there.
2: So that's going on as far as the women are concerned, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. Th- this is, to me, Adam, very similar to the uh, the MJF and, and Jericho. What What's happening here? Is somebody going to put somebody over? What, what, do you, what are you trying to accomplish here with the chop blocks, hitting each other with crutches? What, what's happening?
1: I think WWE feels like when Charlotte Flair is available, that's the only person who can go for the WWE women's title because it seems like if she's around, she's going to be in contention for that title. Uh, I think they need to really start mixing some other people into this fight. I mean, we've seen – Rhea and Charlotte now multiple times, even if you go all the way back to last year's WrestleMania when uh, Charlotte beat her for the NXT championship. It's just, I think, uh, you, you mentioned again, we're just seeing uh, earlier uh, when you were talking about AEW, we're seeing a lot of the same matches over and over and over. Uh, and it's like, that just wears on me for after a while. It seems, why can't you mix in Alexa Bliss or some of the other ladies on, on Rawl's roster uh, to go up against Rhea? I mean... I, I, and I don't know. We're going to get it at least one more time. Does that mean Charlotte's going to win it back again for the 12th or 13th time, whatever number she's on now uh, with the championship? Uh, but we'll see.
3: I think it goes to, though, you know, Nick, you always talk about it. The old man still has his ways. And he. you look at Charlotte Flair, she matches exactly the way that he wants her, his champion to look. But you look at Rhea Ripley, and, and she's even come out and said it as much, where if you notice, Rhea Ripley wears the long pants. She can't wear like just shorts because she has a tattoo on her leg. WWE doesn't want to show her with the tattoo on her leg. Nobody I, wants to see a tattoo on the leg of a woman. I can
2: hear Vince McMahon Completely.
3: Even you look so much, I think, I don't know what her name is. Is it Nikki Cross now or Nikki Ash? I think or, it's Nikki Ash. I think they told her, please forgive me, I'm paraphrasing here, Vince McMahon would have probably said, you need to lose some weight and come up with something else because I don't like this golf thing that you're doing, mm-hmm. and that's why she's getting this opportun- the opportunities. Look how long she disappeared, and she's getting these opportunities now. I think Vince McMahon, as we call him the old man, he still has his ways. He still has a look that he wants his women's champions to portray. And you know what? Charlotte kind of falls in the line. I, I
2: always trust long-term plans, or at least I did in the past. But, Adam, look at Eva Marie. What, what's the long-term oh payoff here with Dewdrop and Eva Marie, and she keeps announcing herself as the winner? Where's... <laughs> Where's this going?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like Dewdrop is already upset at Eva, so why does she still, like, follow her in her shadow and tag with her and and do these matches with her? Uh, I think it could have been a funner uh, gimmick for those two, for Dewdrop to kind of gone along with the gimmick for a few more weeks before you had Dewdrop turn on Eva, which it seems like that's going to be the inevitable end of the the relationship there. Um, But, hey, I'm not— mad at having even Marie on my TV as much as possible. Uh, I'm happy to look at her uh, do matches and have and do spots. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like w- w- what's the process that goes on in creative when you've already got her mad at her, uh, but she's still her friend and she's still coming out with her. But I like the and that and your winner Eva Marie, I I kind of think that's funny at the end of the matches not giving the credit to Dewdrop or the her other tag team partners uh, Naya and, and Shayna that night. It's it's a good it's a fun gimmick, but how far and how long can you go with that?
2: I'll say this, John. I wasn't a fan of the guy initially, but the more I watch his work, the more impressed I am. Riddle and AJ I was, Styles. I mean, that was when you talk about technical wrestling, those two took care of one another, and those two were very
3: entertaining in that match. Yeah, no, the match that they put on, I mean. You, you sit there and you look at what you get out of everything to it. The technical wrestling, the ground and pound wrestling, Selling the, the high-flying event, everything that comes out of it, you love oh, – that's a story that you have. And, I mean, when you take that, and I don't know because you have someone as experienced that AJ Styles gets to get involved and even having that portion of where you have stories intermingled in there that make sense. You have them where they're the tag team champions and the Viking Raiders are involved. Omas is just – Real his, fitness nuts, those Viking they, Raiders. They, I like those guys now. Look, think me and those guys can hang out together. I like their diet plan. Think we got something in common here. But That's you, old school, man, right there. <laughs> but you got Spot spotting Rex.
1: <laughs> oh, they're not quite that bad, but yeah, I agree, yeah.
3: But you got great stories going on there, and then a story being told within the match. And you can see where this is going somewhere. I, I think I'd like to even know, number one, I, I guess Randy Orton's on vacation, what happens with that story when that comes in a little bit more to add to it? But that is, is one of those stories, one of those matches that, and through all of the WWE, that you want to tune in for every single week because you see so much of the stories telling in and out of the ring. Let's go through
2: uh, this week in wrestling history. 31 years ago, the uh, Great American Bash hosted by WCW, the last Great American Bash under the NWA name, then WCW would split just before uh, next year's edition of that, Doom. Ron Simmons and Butch Reed beat the Rock and Roll Express to retain the uh, NWA World Tag Team Championship, and I bring that up because you talk about a guy that had so much more left in the tank, but literally couldn't keep his nose clean. Butch Reed, a guy who recently passed away,
3: it was just one of those things that, I, and Arn Andrews I'm Arn, I'm sorry, Ron Simmons has even spoke about it, just with Butch Reed and terms of how much more they could have done and how much more we know the pioneer that Ron Simmons was in terms of for African-Americans and pro wrestling what how much more but him and Butch Reed could have done and it was just the scenario of living the life became a little bit too much for him and you hate to hear it. But it's a story that we hear over and over again in wrestling, unfortunately. Not a lot of
2: happy endings out there. And I, I, speaking of which, and we'll go off on another tangent here. Did you guys see the uh, the China documentary? I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list.
3: I've heard. Sit down and make it a point. Yes. Carve it's, out the time. You.
2: I would think it wasn't real, but you can't make stuff like this up. I mean, it's. There are so many twists and turns in this. The the person making the movie, then the, the people responsible for the documentary. They all start hooking up with China. They all start doing drugs together. They lose the rights to the movie. I mean, it's it's complete insanity.
3: If you remember, uh, I don't know if it was VH1 that she was on, like, a reality the show. The Surreal Life. The Rehab. Yeah. On- and and she, so so was, album, she did she that did with Dr. Celebrity Dr. Rehab. And, yeah, and, and Paul Walton, or like, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, whatever you want to call him, 6-Pac or whatever, when he showed up and just... When she got on that show, I remember watching, I went, that's not China. China, like... She was a you could tell she had some work done, but it worked in all the right places. And here, this woman showed up, was like, Holy moly! And then the way he treated her, it's that moment we always talk about. I was like, I can kick his ass, she can kick his ass. Yeah, she didn't have to take what she took from him, no pun intended. And she could have kicked his ass and been perfectly okay. But it's, it's something that I've heard, and Adam, I'm willing to bet. I know we always talk about it. It might be one of those things of we set our clocks and, all right, let's watch this because this, I, I hear it's must-see I, TV. I'm
2: telling you, you got to see it because it, it. if it's not real, you would, I say this all the time. It's the analogy I always use. If Hollywood tried to sell you a script like this, you wouldn't buy it because you would say this isn't real. But this is beyond bizarre and it's beyond real. So anyway, just talking real quick, touching on the uh, documentary that's on Vice on China. So- Follow the Podcast Park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind-the-scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Podcast Park. Going back to everything that happened on this night, talking about 33 years ago, or 31 years ago, excuse me, the Great American Bash, another match. Paul Orndorff, Junkyard Dog, and El Higante defeat <laughs> Sid Vicious, Arn Anderson, and Barry Windham. Now, I bring this match up because you got two Wiley Ring veterans like junkyard dog and Paul Orndorff, they they got to be looking at this El Gigante going. Mark Gonzalez, what, what 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 do you want us to do with this guy? We got to do all the work and just kind of try to have him stand there because that's all he could really do when he that's came he out was. wrestled the Undertaker. In oh, the WWE, at WrestleMania, in the, that was a ridiculous. In that bodysuit? The, the airbrush bodysuit? I'm what getting me one the... of those. I'm going to
1: finally have abs. What I'm getting the... me one. What the
2: hell was going on there? But That's this, one this of the
1: matches. The... Elegante's is the one who tried out for the Hawks, right? Yes, and yes. somebody within Turner Tower saw him at who worked for WCW and said, wow, how about having somebody that big in the ring? Because it didn't work out with the Hawks, and it didn't really translate to wrestling no. either. But ju- he got the gig ba- truly based off of his size.
2: <laughs> big Van Vader defeats Tom Zink. This was. Very Vader's WCW debut. Neither one of them are with us uh, any longer. But Tom Zanks, another one of those guys that I think thought he was a little bit bigger and too good for the the sport of wrestling. From what I understand, Vader was a little bit stiff with him in this match. Vader? Stiff? Uh, Yeah, Vader I think was stiff with everybody. But I think he was following orders. They wanted him to be more stiff than usual in this match. And uh, the Steiner brothers beat the Freebirds. (laughs) I wonder really what Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner thought about the Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin and Michael PSAs.
1: Earlier in the in the uh, bullpen, we were talking about gimmicks that would not translate to today. Oh, yeah. Well, the Freebirds would not trans- translate to today. And I just want to mention one time, because I always want to put this out there any time we talk about Vader. He needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. One of the all-time best big men. Come on, WWE. You, you failed with him. Not, And it's unfortunate that he won't be He's not around to... Uh, relish in that honor but he needs to be in there
3: there was a picture and i meant to send it out to you guys it was a uh uh, nick i'm always finding them it's van vader scott flash norton and bam bam bigelow and when you look at it i mean when i say super heavyweights you know there's tons of super heavyweights there but these are three of the guys that when you talk about van vader what he did in the moonsault uh bam bam bigelow what he could do just At his size, I couldn't imagine trying to do a cartwheel in the moves he did. And Scott Norton, I I remember uh, in college I sold patio furniture. He sat on a sofa, and his arms were so big, he sat in the middle of it and took up the entire sofa. And I walked over and said, boy, I should sit next to you, but I'm afraid you'd pummel me. I would. No man should sit this close to me. (laughs) Great point. How can we help you? You're you're 100% right. Just guys like him, like Vader, for what he did for this business, he is someone that – I completely agree. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame.
2: History made 25 years ago this week. The bash at the beach. Daytona Beach, Florida, the Ocean Center. Uh, We could talk about some of the prelims, but let's uh, jump ahead to what happened at the end. As the Outsiders and their mystery partner fought Team WCW. Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. Now, Lex gets hurt, kayfabe, early in this contest. is never really a part of the contest, and we know what happens at the end. Hulk Hogan, out of nowhere, comes in the ring, and Bobby the Brain Heenan almost ruins everything. Yeah, but whose side is he on? (laughs) And we know what happened after that. Hogan comes in and drops the leg on Savage. They throw Sting out of the ring, drop a couple more legs. On Savage, to me, the best part was at the end when he starts to grab me, and Gene Okerlund. You better not, you better not touch me. I've got a team of lawyers. <laughs> That's let's put it this way. That's one of the most underrated parts of the whole turn. But as we said, it's a historic date for so many different reasons. Hogan finally turns heel. The NWO was born. I I, I don't know if anybody could have foreseen it becoming as big. As it became but but needless to say it was something that had to be done you know you, you can jump ahead years later I, I thought they should have done in the WWE the same thing with John Cena but he didn't want to do it because of the make-a-wish stuff but look everybody knows what it is now Hogan this was the best thing he could have done and the results 83 weeks they dominate the ratings well it speaks for itself
1: I agree and, and you're right about that yeah uh, and Vince said he never could felt like he could turn Hogan Hill obviously Bischoff didn't it was a Big success. Uh, He didn't do it with uh, Cena. He has now done it with Roman after a lot of uh, time as look how that's worked, and it's worked out well. I mean, I think once you get these baby faces like a Hogan or um, Cena and Reigns, and you've got so much um, love, I guess, or or fandom built up for them as a baby face, and then you turn that on them, it just as high as it is uh, cheering for them, now you've got his big booze because how can that person turn their back on me? How could Hogan go out there and turn his back on all the Hulk maniacs uh, that you grew up You fans can stick it. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. As far as I'm concerned, it, this garbage represents <laughs> these fans. And, and you know, Bischoff has said on his podcast that he really had Sting kind of as the backup because they didn't know if Hogan would truly go with it either. And I don't think it would have been as big as if Sting Nowhere near or no. impactful with Sting having been, been turning on the other two and becoming the third member. But man, uh Bischoff, whatever he did to make this happen is one of those moments in wrestling history that will live forever and be the crowning achievement for him and for WCW.
3: I mean, we've talked about it before where we talked about people going into the you know WWE Hall of Fame. But if you're going to see Wrestling Hall of Fame, Eric Bischoff has to go in there for what he did in coming up with this moment in time from start to finish with Scott Hall showing up, Kevin Nash showing up. Everything that went into it. And you're right, even as big as it went in terms of Hulk Hogan, just going, look what else, look what other stories you got out of it. You got Sting, who ultimately felt like the fans had turned on him. That's where he, without even turning heel, he advanced his character so much more. Without doing anything. He just. Standing in the rafters. That's it. Because the Surfer Boy had kind of played its mold to it. You gave other wrestlers, I mean, guys that. Who probably would have just been gone in terms of the likes of Ted DiBiase, Rick Rude, guys who they were just valets. They were managers. We got a chance to bring all of that history. We You got Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth back together. You got so many things that came out of this. It was just such an iconic moment. And it's one of those things that it's great to talk about it when you saw it on social media of people saying, you know, yeah, I watched it through blurry lines because we couldn't afford cable. And so the lines were wavy. i we were stealing cables.
2: So uh, I mean, yeah, we may
1: have been as well. Such a big impact that, you know, I have bought an NWO shirt you within cried the last that night, two years. <laughs> and, I mean, Scott Hall just recently said that he today still makes six figures a year yep. just off NWO t-shirts alone. And that 23 years ago, and he's still making six figures a year just off t-shirt sales. I mean, that's how big that was. You
2: know when it was over when Dusty Rhodes joined the when NWO? Dusty,
1: <laughs> I think okay. it was a this few times. Not, this <laughs> thing is,
2: but that was when, to me, it was officially played well, out. Okay.
1: That's enough.
3: The Latino World Order. Yeah, when you
1: had the LWO and the red and the white and black. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely played itself out. But you I know mean, why they
2: did all that? Because uh, what the the show on Thursdays, Thunder. Well, Thunder. yeah, Bischoff
1: has said that he yeah. wanted that to become and, an NWO show, so they were trying to really build that roster up. And
2: let me just say this: you you brought up the fact that Bischoff uh, was handcuffed after a while, and he has talked about it on his podcast that you you referenced. And normally you would say, oh, that's just Eric Bischoff being Bischoff. But I was working under the CNN, the Turner umbrella at the time when when they were sold by Ted Turner. And as an underling working an assignment desk at CNNSI, you sense the changes. People that were working there for a long time weren't happy. And it was bad. I mean, when they were sold, when Turner sold them, a lot of people got handcuffed. So I believe everything that Eric Bischoff is saying. Now, did he make mistakes? Yes. Was it all on him? No. They wouldn't let him do some things that he wanted to do. So that's why, ultimately, they're not there anymore, and, and now the WWE still is. But it's And it's funny to
3: hear you say that because what he did, and, and Scott Hall has talked about it, we're going to get guaranteed contracts, they're going to be a small, there's a, a better schedule, a less work schedule, a smaller ring, because that's how he got Kevin Nash there. Well, he probably shouldn't have let them get loaded, allegedly, uh, backstage. <laughs> I mean, you that might have been somewhere. a bit of an issue. But the way that he was able to sell guys who were able, because Kevin Nash has even gone on to say, I extended my career, because the ring was smaller. So now when you're tall, you take seven foot tall Kevin Nash, who doesn't have to sprint as far across the ring for his. Then as he, he goes says, back to the bigger ring and starts tearing and, quads. And, and that's exactly the problem you ran into that you know yeah he did some things wrong but he did some things very right as well and i think he should have been given way more credence for that
2: all right so 23 years ago this week goldberg in a sold-out georgia dome beats hollywood hogan to win the wcw championship totally forgot about this thank you road dog adam for uh, reminding us now this was great at the time but did this start to lead to the demise adam i ask you of WCW should this have been a pay-per-view match you gave it away and did you ruin a lot by giving that away
1: That's the big question that has always circled this event and not only did it not happen on a pay-per-view they didn't even really promote it the week before the match coming up it was decided to happen just days before uh, supposedly that the, the you know the rumor is Hogan said let's do this and Bischoff said okay basically days before uh, thun- uh nitro that monday yeah, yeah i do th- to answer your question though yes that is something you do put on uh on on pay-per-view so you can revenue make buys you get the revenue off of it i mean you, you weren't build gonna, that up yes exactly you weren't going to get any more tickets sold now it wasn't the full georgia dome it was curtained off because i was there that night we drove down from augusta to see it me and my buddies uh and and uh, so it wasn't a full Georgia Dome. So don't put that picture. Maybe they could have sold more pictures or tickets by pushing the curtain back. Uh, you know, th- as far as the ratings, they were killing it in ratings. So it's not like they needed a ratings bump at that time. They were still within the eighty-three weeks there, I think. Um, so yeah, I, you know, that, and Bischoff on his podcast again. We go back to that uh, again today on eighty-three week, eighty-three weeks. The podcast. He he's defended it, uh, doing it on Nitro. Uh, but I really do think you should have uh, moved that to a pay-per-view, given it the the proper bill time and made the more money off of it.
3: And to go back in time just a little bit, like even not just the event, look at the wrestlers that you had there. Goldberg was a guy who was homegrown in WCW, and we we talk about just the development of it. Kevin Sullivan was the genius behind behind Goldberg and telling him, you're not going to talk. You're not going to do interviews. I'll tell you when you can talk. There was many a times where uh, Mean Gene wants to talk to him. He walks right by him because he was horrible on the microphone. And here was a guy that developed and got to that point and couldn't have been more over that you could have sold this for so much more and exponentially more. We talk about Hollywood Hogan. We know what that came about from there. I never understood why he didn't dye his mustache, though. He had the blonde mustache. He had the black beard to go with it. Because it didn't work for me, brother. I could never figure that part out. But you had two basically superstars to... What some people would even say icons in the business that you could have done so much more with it that at that point in time look i wasn't mad at it because i think by that time we might have stopped stealing cable but you know i was able to see it without having the squiggly lines in front of it
2: isn't it interesting though when you look at the georgia dome involving goldberg two angles that may have really led to the downfall of wcw you had that him winning the championship not building it up putting it on free television and then the infamous finger poke, poke of, of doom. doom both of those happened in the georgia dome and
3: Both of those
2: were main reasons as to why people started to question where this company was going, and and
3: now here we are. But it also showed, and I mean, you you understand why people questioned if uh, AEW would exist, because at that point in time, you had wrestlers who were in creative. You had guys who had... You had Kevin Nash. You had Hogan. They had creative control of what their character was going to do, and that's where the question became for AEW of can you make it work because at some point in time, egos get involved.
2: Well, you're walking a fine line too if you're AEW because I, I see, I'm i starting to see some parallels between WCW and AEW. Just because somebody leaves a faction, a company, just because they're a recognizable name, you don't always have to sign them. Facts. Conan, what's happening there? He comes in with a, a cue ball in a sock and, <laughs> and gets a chop block from Tully Blanchard. I mean, okay, what are we doing here? Are we just doing things because it's a recognizable name?
1: Look, TK, or I don't think I should call him TK, but Tony Khan is a big— <laughs> uh, Close uh, personal big friend creators. of yours. Yeah, close personal friend, Tony Khan, TK. He grew up a big wrestling fan, so I think there is a little bit of, hey, I used to watch you on TV. Come wrestle Nostalgia. for me. I'll get a pay cut. And so he is—I think there are some times where he falls into that— uh, in my opinion, but, you know, because, you know, I love Jake the Snake. I wish uh, the best for him. But what does he really add? I guess it's more behind the scenes. Uh, maybe he's helping behind the scenes. Like Tully, is stuff. he
2: doing the same Arn? Yeah, Arn, have Arn Tully. kicked in the face. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. I mean, on, so, Anderson, he deserves better than that. It's just like what – because it's not much that Jake brings on air – uh, or on screen for. for and Arn does the cheap
2: pop last night. Yeah, you no, know, he the just uh, he's throwing out the
1: name. Arn, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it was just Old killing school, time. Old just <laughs> killing time for them to turn the lights off and have Malachi or Tommy or whoever show up. <laughs> whatever his uh, name uh, is. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I can see that. Now, it'll be interesting. Now, Al- Alistair was only under, or Tommy, whatever, was only under a 30 day and not the 90 day non compete. So will Braun Strowman show up in 60 more days uh, when his 90 day compete? Shows uh, non compete uh, runs out. It will be interesting to see how many more of these wrestlers Tony Khan does. Try but to the sign. problem
3: that you then run into at that point in time is: is everybody going to stay a mid card? Who goes for the title at some point in time? I mean, there's only two single two, well three with the women's title. There's only three individual titles around there. There's 96 million factions around there. So, uh, do you bring back war games and go with something like that? There's like, so many questions. I there. mean,
2: I respect Christian Cage and I respect Hardy, but. Do I really want to see them wrestle again? I don't. I mean, it Matt doesn't Hardy do can anything. barely bend his knee. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't do anything for me.
3: I like the it's management. It's kind of sad. Very. Is what it is. I like the management aspect of it. I, I, I can understand if you want to put Vicky Guerrero with Andrade El Idilo. I don't know his last name. Andrade. Now, is, is he a heel or a face He's
2: got to be a heel,
1: right? I he got I, the skull, black mask. I, I would imagine okay. if, he has if to be. paired up with Vicky, who seems to be a heel manager yeah. with Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm.
3: But I like oh, him yeah. with her. He doesn't. His English isn't great. Right. He can do it. Just, she great. can handle that. She, she can translate it. That's perfect. I 100. percent I don't understand Hardy's faction that's together. I don't understand what are you doing with uh um, what's the uh, Brody Lee's old faction? The um, oh crap, I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank of it, but. They they came out, they were these heel faction that was a mystery with 10 and 1 and negative 1 and minus 1 and 1 to the 3rd power. They were this great faction that came about, and now there's so many groups. Dark Order. Dark Order, yes. And I understand.
2: It's easy com- to forget because it all, I mean. There's you know, so I many. See, yeah. It's a hodgepodge. It really every, is. Every,
1: every, it seems like almost everybody is in some sort of yeah. faction. And that's uh, what that's said. on there's their so, roster. It I w- mean,
3: literally. That was the gimmick of Jay Cargill was... Join us. Join us. You didn't see that before. You kind of were. The four horsemen was elite. You wanted to be a part of it. And they told him, Sting, we saw him get kicked out of it. But you wanted to be a part of that elite faction. And now it just seems like that's dwindling away. And now you recruit everybody.
2: Oli Anderson telling Sting. You could see. Watch that again when they kick Sting out of the four horsemen. I think Oli, maybe I'm, I'm looking too close here. I think Oli may have spoke a little more than Ric Flair wanted him to speak. When they when they did that promo, I think I think Rick had a few more things to say, and and Ole just kind of kept going, and I I think Rick was a little frustrated.
3: And I even like when you fast forward a little bit, and as we're talking about the formation of the NWO, how uh, Kevin Nash, they you know they started to make fun of those factions. You can have a spot, not a liver spot, not my dog spot, but my spot. How they literally didn't care about any any of the history, any respect to it, they were there to literally well, mock and mimic everything. They that also
2: there. had to, the reason those NWO promos had so many jump cuts was because Hogan would just keep going and going, yep. and they were like,
3: uh, we got to do something here because he's, he's talking for 45 seconds to a minute. But they made the jump cuts work. That was yeah. the great part about it was you didn't know it until years later. We're like, well, I guess they made it all work. And I guess, you know, so much more that they could have done with that. I mean, remember, they put on a pay-per-view. They put on an empty house pay per view NWO's sanctioned pay per view and they could have done so much more with that. Well the problem is you had that I will say this,
2: and, and now I think he's losing his marbles. I don't know if he's gonna be calling the shots much longer, but the buck always stopped with Vince and, and that was the problem with Bischoff. He he can try to, you know, sugarcoat it all he wants on his podcast. He wasn't in charge. I mean, in the end he was, but he wasn't. Those guys were calling their own mm-hmm. shots and you can't you can't give everybody creative control. That's not how this business works. It's like in our business, if we all want to do what we want to do, it's going to be the Wild West.
1: Yeah, and Hogan had final say on anything that had Everything. to do with his character. And right now, another another great podcast to work into your library, the Jeff Jarrods, they talk about the one where him and Hogan had the match at the beach incident where he just laid down, and a lot of that happened because of, uh, according to Jeff, uh, Hogan's creative control, and that's how it had to play out because that's what Hogan wanted to do, and you're right. I mean, if, if you give somebody that much power over, some, especially somebody who's going to be a main eventer for you and it's going to be in the title picture constantly – uh, and you've got to bow to whatever they say if he strokes his Fu Manchu and says, that doesn't work for me, brother, or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, the, that's the lunatics running the asylum at some point there.
3: But you got to look at uh, you know, and I always look at the glass half full of it. Just imagine if he didn't have that creative control. Look at the guys that, I mean, Booker T ultimately became a world champion because of that decision where running around backstage, who do we find? Booker, you're going to go be champion right now. And he's stuck looking like, really? Well, How does this prepare? And it shows always having that guy that's at the ready. Could WCW? Could WWE? Could WWE do that right now? Who would be at the ready to take over for Roman Reigns? Well,
2: the the problem is nobody can ad lib. They're way out of a paper bag right now. Nobody knows how to how to be a, a wrestler. Nobody has. I mean, they've learned their craft, but the way they were taught the craft is here's your script. I mean, it's it's funny because we have it down on this week in wrestling history, 2014, Stone Cold Steve Austin said he thinks it's time for the WWE to get rid of scripted promos. I mean, uh, he's talking in an interview saying that, let us be ourselves. You got to trust these guys and gals to be themselves a little bit. That's how you develop characters. That's
3: why you created the developmental center. I mean, think about it where he when Stone Cold won King of the Ring, Austin 316, he said I had nowhere. I came up with that making fun of Jake the Snake Roberts. That's where that came from. And that comes from you know, to something you've always said. It's getting back on the road. It's being around each other. It's actually studying video of each other and finding those little nuances. You, you know, I, I'll, I'm not making fun of in light of the problem he might have, but you look at the New Day and what they did with the Usos. Everyone's talked about the Usos drinking problem, and hey, you were in jail. Unfortunately, they're doing it again.
2: But I just don't understand that. How does that keep phew. happening to someone time and time again? How do you not learn a lesson
3: when you're wrestling royalty, a part of the anoi family, and I guess you know. Does the yeah, tribal chiefs get to call a shot on I this one? See
1: how that translates in somebody's head to I can drive however I want to drive. I mean, obviously the dude has a, a a problem that, but he's been in rehab before. Where's his say, wife? Re- I don't. Where's I don't know. he's married
3: to Naomi? Because mm-hmm. I had to. Look, I always forget which one's which. He's married to Naomi. At that point in time, as a wife, you look up and say, "Look, you're on a you're you're in a great story here. You're you're hurting our family. You're hurting the income of the house." I mean, Get he, your stuff together. Yeah, it's a sad thing to say, and I hate to you know bring down the show by bringing that up. But it yeah, was something thanks, Adam. John. Well, you know, <laughs> look, we're kind of loosey here, Adam. You you know, we were texting
1: about it earlier, and it's just kind of like, what, what is going on here when you blow a what 0.25? 0.205. And remember, the legal limit is what 0.08? Yes, yeah, so, I mean you're
2: you're blind drunk at that point. I mean, I'm sure your tolerance is higher than others, but I mean that's. That's an outrageous amount. I'm the right-hand man of the tribal yeah. chief. Who do you think you're talking to, Oose? Again, I want to make light of the situation. Thankfully, nobody was hurt as he was once again arrested. And that's going to wrap up this edition of The Finishing Move. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. We're going to do it weekly. Like and subscribe. Or, John, will come to your house and give you an F5.
3: Damn you, Hulk Hogan!
0: A lifetime of hard work.